Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey everybody, welcome to the nation. I'm JT along with... My co-host, Miss Leanne Whippen, and uh, Commander Dave, Commander Chris, of course. And as you know, uh, Leanne is in the Hall of Fame. And then our guest today, a good He's friend. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall of Fame. We got all these Hall yeah. of Fame hanging around. Almost Rub- the same year. We got to get you in. Uh, we'll work on that. But I'm rubbing elbows with the stars today. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. I almost forgot to tell him your name. Um, Meathead has been very gracious over the years to come do the holiday shows with us. And today we're <laughs> we're going to be doing talking a little turkey talk, among other things. So first of all, welcome, my friend. And um been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while. We've good all be been back. busy. Always we, good to see you guys. Oh, I know. Too. You just I'll I'll send you that check for saying that very shortly. <laughs> but um as we were saying off the air. Uh, oh, by the get... way, it's good being with you. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get a check too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the movies they call it scale, so oh, you, you okay. get a you get a dollar fifty. You know, okay. All right. um, uh, as we were saying off the air, we all get messages from people around Thanksgiving time. And even though we've we've done a similar type show every Thanksgiving for a number of years now, people, some people still don't quite get how to cook a big bird now. And and I, I think thanks to Meathead, the term spatchcock has run rampant in the food world <laughs> uh-huh. because he loves that. And and I love it. And I know Leanne does it. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's start with a whole bird. Your suggestions, Meathead, on doing a whole bird, and then we'll go to spatchcocking the bird, and uh, let's cover some time and temps here. Well, there are issues with doing the whole bird. Of course, the real reason to do it is the traditional Norman Rockwell platter of that big, glorious, golden bird, and everybody uh, looking lovingly at it, uh, like in that famous painting. But it it does pose some issues. Um, because it is a ball, uh, it takes longer for the heat to penetrate uh, than you would want it to, and that can cause it to dry out a bit. And then there's a lot of stuff going around about the stuffing. Now, I want people to think carefully about this. It's really simple physics. I'm not going to try to get too complicated, but there's a hollow cavity in the center, and warm air can enter that hollow cavity, and warm air can um, attack the bird from outside, and it will cook evenly, although a little slower than it would if you spread the bird out spatchcock, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But if you stuff that bird, 
Now it can only cook from the outside and it takes a lot longer for the energy to penetrate and you have to cook that stuffing thoroughly to 160 to 165 for it to be safe. So you're going to take a lot longer to cook it and it's going to be drier. Now, a lot of people like to put an orange or an apple or a whole bunch of other stuff in the cavity. That's nice, but again, you're preventing warm air from entering the cavity and you're slowing the cooking. So I'm sorry, I know you wanted to do the whole bird first and then talk about spatchcocking, but I've got to go to spatchcocking. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to say that if you cut the backbone out, get a good sturdy pair of kitchen shears or clear, clean up a good pair of tin snips from the workshop and remove that backbone and spread the bird out, butterfly it. Now it will cook a lot faster, remain moisture, and you can brown the interior, which you can't do when you cook the bird whole, and you get more flavor when things brown. Now, I know it's not going to look perfectly Norman Rockwell, but actually, you can kind of fake it. You can kind of <laughs> take that flattened out butterfly. The spatchcocking is just a slightly naughty sounding word for butterflying the bird. But you can take this butterflied bird and kind of scrunch it back up into um, a, a whole looking bird. But it still looks pretty good in a spatchcock mode. Cooks a lot faster, tastes a lot better. So what do you do, Meathead, when you're you're going to spatchcock the bird? And maybe you're, uh, depending on what they're going to cook it on, if they're going to cook it on a pellet grill, if they're going to cook it on their gas grill, if they're going to cook it on a charcoal grill, what, you know, there's variations, obviously. Let's, let's start with a pellet grill. Um, some pellet grills, and I know I've seen this with some of the ones I've had, they're not equal as far as the airflow and the heat across. Okay. So would you rotate that bird? Would you spritz that bird? I know you're adamantly opposed to sprit spritzing it because it'll soggy up the skin. But um can you rotate it and do that if you've got if you're you know a little warmer on the left side, a little cooler on the right side, like that? How do you how do you manipulate that if you if you know your grill is not equally heating all the way across? Well, that's the key. If you know, I mean, step one, it's it's now early November and it's not yet Thanksgiving. Go out to your grill and get a, a thermometer that you can put in the grill or your smoker, whatever it is. And they make these really nice ones and you can get one for under 50 bucks that has a probe on a cable. Mm -hmm. So you can clip the probe to different locations and learn where the hot spots are and learn and, 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 and dial in. So you can see you want to cook a, all poultry at a minimum of 325. Now I cook almost everything else and I'm smoking at 225, but poultry, you want to get up around 325 in order to render that layer of fat underneath the skin and get the skin good and crispy. So find the spot in there where the temperature is around 325. And then once you've got the good spot and um, and just try to hold it there. Um, and I don't think it makes a huge difference whether it's a pellet or charcoal or gas. Um, you just want to try to hold it 325, maybe up to 375 
and um, a little smoke. Turkey loves smoke, but not too much. Don't go crazy with the smoke. Um, it can really get to tasting like an ashtray if you go too crazy <laughs> with the smoke. I agree. And that is the thing about smoking turkey with stuffing in it. I don't like my stuffing tasting smoky like that. For mm-hmm. That's well, you ready for, for my? I think we've talked about this before, but I'll talk about it again because it's such a cool trick. I make muffins. Yes. I make stuffing muffins. <laughs> I'll make up my stuffing and I add a couple of eggs to the mix and put them in muffin tins. And when they're in muffin tins, you get everybody gets a nice little stuffing muffin or a muffin, and it's got lots of nice crunchy top. Um, and the recipe is really pretty simple, but you got to add some eggs to help it stick together, bind it. I've got the recipe on amazingribs.com, and it's just a lot of fun. I've actually done that, I've done it on TV and I've done it for my guests here, and I liked it a lot. Um, so Norm- back to the crispy skin thing, uh, when you're brining, <laughs> is it best to brine like two days in advance, take it out of the brine and let it dry out in the refrigerator so your skin gets crispier? That's a good technique. But I'll tell you, I have abandoned the wet brine. Um, I, when you when you a lot of people will get like three gallons of apple juice, lots of black pepper lots of garlic, maybe some sugar and the salt. And they get a big old beer cooler and you throw some ice bags in there and you got a whole big production here. And the problem is, is nothing gets into the meat except the salt. So all that flavor is just going to be pretty much crowded onto the surface. You're wasting a whole bunch of apple juice, a whole bunch of garlic, a whole bunch of pepper. The salt is what's going to penetrate. And that's good. You want the salt to penetrate because the salt amplifies the flavor and modifies the protein so it holds on to moisture better. So what I do now, and I I've, I abandoned the wet brine process a few years ago, I use a technique that we call dry brining. And uh, it was uh, pioneered by Judy Rogers, who a uh, uh, famous chef uh, in uh, Berkeley, California. And uh, basically... You just sprinkle salt on the turkey a day or so before uh, the same oh, sure. as you would um, use if you were eating it. Rough thumb uh, nail uh, estimate, half a teaspoon per pound. Sprinkle it on the bird, pop it in the fridge. And that salt, when it gets wet on the surface of the bird, it will actually start to migrate right through the skin. It will go right through the skin and migrate deep into the bird. A day or two in advance is all you got to do, and uh, it will have the effect of the saltiness that you're looking for. It doesn't make it too salty. Let, let me uh, correct that. It it But it does amplify the flavor and hold on to moisture. And then if you want garlic and onion and all that other stuff, go to the spice rack. Sprinkle it on there. There's some really good rubs out there in the marketplace. We make one, a poultry like rub. Yeah, my favorite poultry rub, might Thank I you. add. You know I've been talking about that since it came out. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, you're very nice. Savory but, rub, delicious. Yeah, and basically it's a variation on a classic French poultry rub. Um, it's not your classic barbecue rub with a lot of paprika. It's 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 green. It's got a lot uh-huh. of herbs yeah. in it. And that's really what I think works best with poultry. And um, uh, put a poultry rub on the surface. 
Um, if you want it, you know, put melt, paint it with melted butter or squish some melted butter up under the skin. You can do that. Um, but uh, really pretty simple when it comes to brining. Just give it a nice coat of salt a couple of days in advance. Not too much. We're going to come back with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com and talk some more turkey talk right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with Leanne Whippen and uh, Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. We're talking turkey talk for uh, Thanksgiving, which is coming up very shortly. Hey, and- you know, wait a minute. I got to interrupt. Yeah. Yes. Thanksgiving. And we're all eating turkey for Thanksgiving. And, and, and you know, that's wonderful. And ham. Anytime. I eat turkey in the summer. I eat turkey in the spring. You know, it doesn't have to be just for Thanksgiving. No, no, no. I, uh, at the Jack, we were talking about the Jack uh, when I was wandering around there. I found a older gentleman in a school bus that had turkey legs. And I love turkey legs, smoked turkey legs. Mm-hmm. So as my wife and my in-laws were finding something much smaller to eat, I'm looking like Fred Flintstone out there with this big ass turkey leg. Like, you know, you could thump somebody with it. And mm. it was delicious. It was delicious. So if you if you ever get to Disneyland or Disney World, oh yeah, they sell these monster turkey legs. They 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 look like sledgehammers. Um and uh um I've I have I have reverse engineered. They're cured, they're not just smoked, they cure them the same you would way you would cure a ham. And if you think about it, when you taste them, they do taste a they little bit hammy. like ham or bacon. I used to vend and I would sell them. They were 22 ounces a piece and they were cured, mm-hmm. frozen. And then we'd throw them in the smoker. Well, I have got the recipe for Disney turkey legs on amazingribs.com. How to cure them, how to smoke them, and how to make almost identical. I mean, I, I think they are identical. So if you're a big fan of Disney smoked turkey legs, you can replicate them out by following my recipe. That's- I like turkey wings. Yeah, I like turkey yeah, wings. I do. I, I like the crunchy skin. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing about wings. I, I just, by the way, got back yesterday from my first trip to Buffalo in a long time and uh, got some wings while I was out there. Oh, good for you. Good mm-hmm. for you. Um, that's one of the great highlights of Thanksgiving weekend is Friday or Saturday having still some dark meat. Um, I've told you before on the show, I usually buy two or three additional legs and hide them because <laughs> <laughs> I do that. But that's what I make my sandwiches out of over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Cut off the dark meat, little white bread and mayo, football game, you know, maybe some uh stuffing muffins with a little gravy on it or something. I'm good to go, man. Mm-hmm. I am just in hog heaven. You know, um if I can I can I can I wax a philosophical for just a minute? Sure. Um and I think I may have shared this with your listeners before, but I, 
I have to share it again because it's so profound, I think. On Thanksgiving, most of us eat turkey. Now, I know there's some people who do ravioli or prime rib or something, but most of us eat turkey. And many, many of us have sweet potatoes, cranberry sauce, the whole routine. Yeah. This is remarkable. In a nation that is so divided and so diverse <laughs> and so politically at each other's throats, on Thanksgiving, we all sit down to the same meal together. Yeah. All across the nation. Mm-hmm. We're all holding hands and we're all eating the same meal together. We're all sharing in the bounty of this nation and the history of this nation and the beauty of a great meal and family and friends. And I'm not I'm not aware. I mean, I know we do a big cookout on Fourth of July. And, you know, New Year's Eve, we have a big dinner. Um, But I'm not aware of any other meal that we have in this country where the menu is so similar, so prescribed all around Mm -hmm. the country or in any other country. I'm not aware of any other nation or ethnicity. Well, I'll I'll disagree on, on one level there. I just got back from the UK. I was in Cornwall. And what they do every Sunday is Sunday feast. And I didn't know this. Every restaurant. Everywhere is Sunday feast where they give you a choice of meat. It's all sort of family style, all the veggies on the side. But they do it like every Sunday with the same sort of meats, you know, lamb or beef. And that's it. And it's like it's almost like Thanksgiving every Sunday there. Hmm. Is it it always lamb and beef? I mean, it's never poor. Well, where I was on this particular occasion, it was lamb and beef. Those were the only two choices. And Mm -hmm. then they had a vegetarian option, of course. Well, that's cool. Yeah, um, I, I, I still I still think that the uh, the ceremony and the uh, uh, similarity of the turkey and uh, yeah, you're right. Sweet well, potatoes you... and everything is 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 just extraordinary. And I it really touches me as a culinarian, as someone who's into foods so much. And the pumpkin pie. Do, I mean, do you don't think of pumpkin pie except for Thanksgiving, really? Yeah. For the most yeah. part. Yeah. yeah. Well, how many, how many, I, and I don't know this answer, but it's a test question. How many cans of uh, that cranberry jelly stuff that, that, I mean, that must sell 20 million cans of that stuff. I I love this stuff. Yeah. I, I, I have a different prep now. Um, I'll take cran raisins, craisins, yep. cranberry raisins. And I simmer them for a little while in port wine. Mm. And that reconstitutes them. Um, and uh, then there's some orange zest and some other things go in there. And it makes uh, drunken cranberries. And they're really good. And again, I have the recipe on AmazingRibs.com. My wife does one with um, Asian pears, which is really good. That sounds delicious. And there's a famous one out there um, uh, that uh, National Public Radio uh, has been sharing for years. Susan Stamberg, who was one of their anchors for many, many years, shared one that has horseradish in it. Oh. Um, and it's shocking, but it's delicious. If they don't do turkey, but they're using some other fowl, like a duck, a goose, maybe even, uh, we talked about them before on the show, Cornish game hens, which are just baby chickens, spatchcocking and the same principles cooking. Is that a yes? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I- <laughs> I, 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 goose, of course, I think is traditional for 
Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy to get. Uh, you really got to have a specialty butcher. Uh, you're not likely to find it fresh. It'll be frozen. Um, uh, and it's it's tricky to cook. It, it's a flavor. It, it's not an unpleasant flavor, but it's different than turkey and chicken. Right. Um, the breasts are essentially red meat. Same thing with duck. Personally, duck is my favorite of the poultries. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com and uh, fellow Hall of Famer Ms. Leanne Whippin right after this. Hey, are you ready to fire up your grill and get ready to taste the difference this spring and summer? Hi, I'm JT, and I'm thrilled to announce our further collaboration with Painted Hills Natural Beef to bring you your best barbecue experience. As a special treat, Barbecue Nation listeners get a 15% off discount by just typing in the code Barbecue Nation when you check out. So all you got to do is go to the Painted Hills Natural Beef website, click on the store, place your order, and when it has discount or code at the bottom, type in BBQ Nation. Don't miss out on this really juicy deal from Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. We would like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended, even though we're talking mostly about turkeys today. Um, You've got the holidays coming up. And if you go to naturalbeef.com and order something online from them, if you type in the code, excuse me, um, BBQ Nation in the bottom left-hand corner where it says coupon. uh, I love that word, coupon, too. Anyway, um, if you type in Barbecue Nation, BBQ Nation, you'll get 15% off your order. And also, pig powder. That's it. It's Ms. Whippins. I will say pig powder is good on a turkey. I, oh, yeah, I'll bet yeah. it is. Yeah. I'll bet it, it is. is. Yeah. Very good. I actually, uh, what you're talking about in the last segment, I cooked some, uh, not long after we got back from the jack, I cooked a couple turkey legs and I used pig powder on it. And it was delicious. So go to pigpowder.com. Leanne will make sure your order is fulfilled and <clears throat> send it right to your doorstep. Okay, so we're talking Thanksgiving stuff here. And we were talking about other fowls, uh, birds, whatever you want. And um, it's pretty easy, though. Uh, just remember, if you're cooking like a Cornish game hen or one of those, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna cook it as long as you're gonna cook the big bird. That's what you have to remember. That's probably the most important thing. Well, you know, I mean, this is a good time to stick in the usual plug. You cook with a thermometer, not a clock. I don't care what recipe you're looking at. If it says cook it for thirty minutes, then turn it, and then cook it for twenty minutes, run, don't walk. <laughs> you, you 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 cook until poultry is 160 to 165. USDA says 165, 160 is safe. Also, um, uh, it, it is that it, in the light or the dark meat? Well, dark meat. It, the question is safety, um, and it, it, the, the question is killing any bacteria. All bacteria die within seven seconds at 165, so that's absolutely dead. Perfectly safe. At 160, you kill them all. It takes about a minute or a minute and a half. So you can go to 160 because when you take it off, it's still at that temperature. But dark meat, I think, 
tastes better if you cook it closer to 170. Right, um, right. Yeah, yeah I, I cook, but I, I think for safety purposes, especially if you're cooking a whole bird, you really don't have much choice. And I got to tell you, you know, we talked earlier about spatchcocking and cooking the whole bird. The last couple of years, I've been breaking it down into eight pieces. And now it's not as pretty and not as romantic, but I can cook the breast to exactly 160, the dark meat, the legs to 170 to 175. Um, I can get each piece to exactly my favorite temperature and I serve it on a platter. Um, it, it's it, yeah. I mean, it's not Norman Rockwell. It ain't as cool looking, but it tastes good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> big question is, and I hear that I see people asking the butchers at the grocery store. We always, and you just did talk about using a decent digital thermometer or so on and so on. Where do you actually stick the probe in? Because, and I'm talking about if they're doing the Rockwell whole bird deal, because you've got a big breast and stuff sitting up on top in your pan. And then you've got the, what Graham always called the Parsons snout, which is the, the back end of the bird there. But it's kind of hard to get down into some of the dark meat with a yeah, probe. Yeah, I always do it right between the thigh and the leg. Yeah. yeah. At the, the joint there. That that joint is the last thing to cook. Mm-hmm. The joint between the thigh and the drumstick is the slow. Why? I don't know, because it's not the thickest part. But yeah. there's two big bones that meet there and the bones warm slower than the than the muscle. And um, so but you can stick it in multiple places. Look, at turkey, steak, whatever. They're all around 70 percent water. Right. Um, You know, so if you got a 20 pound bird. It's 70% water. What is that? 15 pounds or so of water? Stick it five times. If you lose a tablespoon of water, you're not going to dry it out. It's not a balloon. It doesn't go (laughs) and deflate, you know. Uh, It's fine. So stick it in the breast and get that. And you got to go to the deepest part of the breast. Now, if you haven't stuffed it, then it's the center of the breast muscle. But if you've stuffed it, you got to go through the breast and into the center of the stuffing to get to 160, 165. And if you like your dark meat at 170 to 175, where I think it's optimum, then you got to poke the leg and the thigh. The the drumstick will cook faster than the uh, thigh. Um, so you can poke it several times. It's not going to hurt the bird one bit. So another question, somebody actually asked me this. Um, when you got a, when you got a bird sitting in a pan like that, we're just talking about the dark meat. There's a lot more fat, if you will, underneath than there is on the breast. Does that affect the, the, the time to the temperature ratio? Oh, I got to jump in here. Um, First of all, this is the biggest, the best tip I can give you. Okay. Don't put the bird in the pan. When you put the bird, all right. Now, if you put the bird in the pan, usually you put some water or some stock or down, you know, down at the bottom. Otherwise, the drippings are going to burn, right? Right. That water cannot go above 212. That's a law of physics. Water won't go above 212. But you're cooking it at 325, 350, 400, whatever it is. So the top is getting 400 degree temperature, but the bottom is stuck at 212. Maybe because there's a little bit of air in there. 
It'll go up to 250. So it's not going to cook as fast as the rest of the bird. And the result is that everybody knows this. You pull the bird out and it's beautiful, golden and crispy on top. But the bottom is tan and wet and soggy. The secret to and and I know you have that fantastic four hundred dollar calphalon roasting pan with the <laughs> V-shaped rack that sits down in there. Throw that rack in the garbage. Put mm-hmm. a wire grate on top. Now I do it on the grill, and this is perfect because when you put the bird on the grate, now air can circulate all around. Well, if you're doing it indoors, and why would you do it indoors when you could be cooking pie indoors? Cook your bird outdoors. Um, put it on the grate so that the air can circulate all around and you can cook the bottom evenly with the top and it'll get crispy because there's a couple of really nice little pieces of meat down there. We all know what they're called, the oysters. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're little pectoral muscles down on the underside of the bird and um, uh, they're wonderful. Uh, so you want to cook the bottom just like you do the top. Now I'll take my roasting pan and put it under the grate on my grill and i'll put in there some turkey stock the trimming all the skin from around both cavities um all of the stuff in the bag except the liver i keep the liver aside um but i'll put the gizzard and uh heart yeah and 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 then i'll i'll snip off the wing tips and throw them in there um maybe an apple um some celery some carrots maybe a bottle of wine And basically, I build a stock underneath the bird. So when the bird cooks and it drips, the juices fall into this pan. And also, smoke condenses on the liquid. Onions, don't forget onions. I forgot about that. Uh, Herbs, throw some herbs in there. I got a a recipe for this on AmazingRibs.com. But basically, you don't need a recipe. You just throw out everything. Throw everything in this pan. Mm And as the bird is cooking, when it gets up around 150 or so before it's completely done, pull that pan out, bring it inside, strain out all the solids, throw them away, taste the stock. If it needs to be a little richer, put it in a saucepan and cook it down just a little bit. And that's your gravy. Now, I know that the traditional gravy has a roux or flour and and often butter or the, the 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 fat drippings from the turkey to make it thick but when you have a thick gravy it sits on top of the meat this stock that i've just made is t- is just flavorful as can be and if you drizzle it on the meat it soaks right in it penetrates the meat and it absorbs that flavor and it's marvelous and i and if you do it the way i just described it You'll have leftovers. And the next day, Friday, it's a wonderful soup. I just, you know, make a, a, a coffee cup full at a time. It's fantastic. I think that's the coolest thing you can do. My mom used to make turkey noodle soup. It was wretched. So <laughs> uh, when I got kind of taken over the kitchen, and I've told this story before, but we would at the ranch, we had a kitchen, but then if you walk down the hallway a little bit, we had a utility room and we had a, a big sink and table and so on and so forth in there. We would take the turkey out there to carve it. And after I made the platter look all pretty and everything in, and then, an, you know, an ancillary plate with more bird on it, I would take the all the meat off the carcass and throw the car- carcass over the back fence so my mom couldn't get it. Because 
That's so she soup. couldn't make the soup. Couldn't <laughs> make the soup. But I know I know what Leanne does with that carcass, and I do the same thing. What do you do, Leanne? I do, I do make soup out of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have no problem with that. And it's delicious. You break that baby down. Cr- yeah. Snap yeah. the bones in half, throw it in a big pot, and you throw in the onions and the carrots and oh, all the yeah. other stuff. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Mommy too. Oh, don't go there. Uh, <laughs> Mom's just had these big ass <clears throat> egg noodles in them, and they would get really soggy. And anyway, uh, sorry, mom, but that's true. <laughs> anyway, um, when we come back, in a, and we still got about forty seconds before we got to go to break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Le- uh, meatheads and Leanne's favorite things. Now, Leanne always says she doesn't like things too sweet. Now, I just spent two weeks with her. <laughs> I'm gonna. She I'm, she she's fudging. I'm just gonna say she's fudging on that. Uh-huh. She wore a path from the hotel over to the C's candy store back every day. So yeah. don't don't tell me about that. Anyway, we're gonna we'll share some more Thanksgiving secrets with you when we come back here on Barbecue Nation. Please stay with us. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the USA Radio Networks. Today we're talking with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. Meathead will stick around for after hours. We're going to do a little different after hours today, just to give everybody a heads up. Um, I'm not going to go with the standard, if you could dine with a historical figure set of questions. We're going to go more personal and traditional questions there. Nobody has to answer. I've never been asked that question. What, to dine with a historical figure? Yeah. What would you make? Yeah, it's a good question. Okay, down from Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in after hours. We'll do that. Anyway, he's going to do that. We'd also want to tell you we got a couple of new sponsors coming on. Hammerstall Knives and Heritage Cookware. Um, they're working with us on the television shows, and uh, they're going to be part of the nation and the golf show. So we want to thank Bobby Griggs and his crew down there and also the Oregon Crab Commission. Leanne had never eaten Dungeness Crab meat yet. No. And she ate some of that, and then she it tried was to mind blowing. Better than M and M's, aren't they? Yep, it really was outstanding. She tried you know, to I steal the about, whole bag. Anyway. About thirty years ago, I developed a crab, shrimp, lobster allergy, and it mm. just kills me because uh, soft shell crab was my favorite thing on earth. Yeah, and um, it just absolutely. I have deep sympathy. Yeah, I do too. Because I, I, I mean, I like you guys. I've eaten a lot of seafood, different parts of the country and the world. I still think that Dungeness crab from out here on the west coast is marvelous. So mm-hmm. there, we're getting that. All right, now we're going to talk about dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, and Leanne, I'd like you to lead this off. I have a question. I have a baking question for you because I'm not a very oh, good baker. Oh, exactly what I'm good at. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was just about to say you can switch me off here. I have fear of flour. Uh, yeah, okay. fear All of right. flour. 
uh, as I said before the show, for some reason, the Thanksgiving kitchen tends to be like semi-organized chaos. I don't see that at Thanksgiving. I don't see it at Easter. I don't see that. But thanks, or I don't, at Christmas, I mean. But at Thanksgiving, we, we tend to get kind of this organized chaos. Mm. So when you're baking mm-hmm. your specialty, my dear, um, do you always have to follow the recipe to the letter? Because, you know, the old saying is baking is chemistry, cooking and barbecue are art. My, my paraphrase. I would right? say that baking is pretty precise. Um, but back to the chaos in the kitchen, I make the pies a day before. So they're done right. and out of the way. So right. that that helps with a little bit of the chaos. I think there are some substitutions. For example, in your crust, instead of using Crisco or butter, swap out bacon fat in your pecan pie. But again, you're using the same amount they're asking for. So I think that there are substitutions. I made banana bread the other day. No, my mom did. I lied. And she put in chocolate chips. It wasn't part of the recipe. So I think there you can modify things to a certain degree. But when it comes to your baking soda and all that kind of stuff, and flour, I, I think it is pretty precise. And the I, and I, the temperature to bake as well. Yeah. My wife's a, a serious baker. In fact, it's a wonderful tradition she has. She has three nieces on one side of the family, and they all have four kids. And Wednesday before Thanksgiving, the day before, is pie day. And they all go to one of the nieces' homes, all of them, 16, 17 people, kids from every age on up through college, from four years old up through college, and they form squads, and they <laughs> bake the pies. They bake five or six pies. Um, some are on apple pie. Some are on uh, pecan pie. Some are on pumpkin pie. Those are the required pies. Then there's the uh, freestyle, whatever. you know. Somebody will request something special. And it's just marvelous to watch them. I went, I'm Normally, um, I, I'm not around. I'm not allowed around. Right. Uh, but even the boys kick in and I've been down there and photographed and it's just us unseen. I love that. Um, the ba- pie baking uh, beforehand there. These kids are always going to remember their aunt and she's known as Auntie Lulu. She th- long after we're gone, they will remember Auntie Lulu as the pie lady. And it's just marvelous. And of course, you got to have pie on Thanksgiving. That's part of the ritual, just like turkey. Yeah. What's your favorite, guys? Pecan, pecan, pecan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I eat a ceremonial piece of of, uh, pumpkin. I do have uh, a pumpkin cheesecake with a ginger snap crust. You know, instead of graham cracker, that is outstanding. Which I am going to make this year because I haven't made it for a few years. And I like a good old cherry pie with vanilla ice cream. Yeah, yeah. My my Shelly, she's kind of a cherry pie Mm -hmm. fan. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not a pecan fan, which is fine for me. And I've said this before on the show, but I actually make two pecan pies. Just and the the second pecan pie is hidden with my turkey legs mm-hmm. in, a, in another fridge, <laughs> so that I'm guaranteed I can have some over the weekend. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the deal there. But I meathead, uh, what's your favorite pie? Oh, I'm with you guys on the pecan, oh, okay. but I gotta pecan. tell you, my wife bakes an apple pie with a little sour cream in the filling. 
Hmm. And it has the same effect as vanilla ice cream on top. It hmm. really is rich and creamy and luscious. I really like that. And, you know, they've done all kinds of goofy caramel things. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, by the way, p- apple, I mean, I'm, cherry pie is not normally on the Thanksgiving menu. Right. But it's up there, right up there. Mm-hmm. And blueberry pie, cherry oh, pie, and yeah. blueberry pie. I mean, well, all right. Now let's let's go to the obvious question. Cake or pie, guys? Which one? Pie. Pie. Hi, me too. <laughs> that took yeah. about two seconds. <laughs> there is also another thing that I make. It's it's made in a sheet tray and you make a pumpkin cake and you make like a cream cheese filling, you spread it over and then you roll it up for a pumpkin roll. That's very Ooh, good too. Oh, that's for cake. Really well, yeah. I do I do a um a, an apple cranberry or an apple blueberry. Or better still, a peach blueberry, but not for Thanksgiving. I do them in the summer in a um, a, a Dutch oven mm. on outdoors. Um, uh, I'll, I'll even go out into the garden and just dig a little hole and put some um, charcoal down in it or That's throw it fun. on the Weber kettle and do it um, in a Dutch oven with charcoal on top on the lid. Uh-huh. And um, uh, put a, a a crumble top on top of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you, uh, pretty tasty. Do you play the theme from Rawhide in the background when you're doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all good. All right, we got to get out of here. We're way over time. David's going to have a conniption fit, but he usually does every week when he's you dealing. Can save with a me. few seconds by cutting out your curses. Uh-huh. Yes, damn straight. Um, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Thank you, my friend. And he's going to be sticking around for After Hours. And Leanne, always, uh, as my yes. co-pilot, you're delightful. And uh, we we hope you all have a marvelous Thanksgiving. And uh, I would say don't eat too much, but that's a waste of breath. Anyway, we'll be back, <laughs> we'll be back next time uh, for another edition of Barbecue Nation. Remember our motto, turn it, don't burn it. Take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.